Hello and welcome to the Vistamilk podcast. I'm Emer Ferguson, the Education and Public Engagement Manager at Vistamilk SFI Research Centre. The centre is focused on innovative pasture-based dairying and is co-funded by Science Foundation Ireland and the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. During the course of this podcast series, we will introduce you to some of our fantastic researchers and the work they do here at the centre. For the month of March, we're highlighting women in agriculture and food roles and are delighted to welcome our very next guest, Hannah Quinn Mulligan. Hannah is a journalist with a strong background in investigative features, having produced and presented documentaries and reports for RTE and the BBC, as well as articles for the Irish Times. Hannah runs a farm in County Limerick with her grandmother, where they breed pedigree Hereford cattle. Her particular areas of interest are on rural life, agriculture and nature, and she's received several awards for her work. Hannah is chair of the Women in Agriculture Stakeholders Group, which is an independent, voluntary body made up of representatives from a number of farming associations, with the sole purpose of representing the interests of women in farming under the next common agricultural policy. Today, she's interviewed by myself, Emer Ferguson. We hope you enjoy. Thank you so much, uh, Hannah, for taking the time to uh, be part of this interview and podcast series. We're celebrating International Women's Day, so naturally enough, you came to mind. It's actually a colleague of ours, James Healy, who very kindly put you forward. So here we are. Could you please introduce yourself to everybody first? Yeah, well, firstly, thank you very much for having me and yourselves for coming down to the farm. You're very welcome here. And the cows are very happy to have you too, as you can see. Um, so I guess my name is Hannah Quinn Mulligan. I'm a journalist and I also run a farm of pedigree uh, Hereford cattle with my grandmother here. We're in the midst of calving season at the, at the minute. But uh, I'm also a founder and the chairperson of the Women in Agriculture Stakeholders Group as well. So no better woman really to interview on in this scenario. And your grandmother, no doubt as well, a fantastic woman to, she's, to have in your, in she your is, corner. She is brilliant. I did not lick it off a stone. Tell us, what does International Women, uh, Women's Day mean to you? I feel quite strangely about International Women's Day because I'm all about celebrating uh, the work that women do. And I think we're completely underrepresented, not just in agriculture, but in a lot of fields uh, across uh, across the national spectrum and international spectrum. But I really wish that we'd got to 2022 and did not need an International Women's Day. Um, so I really hope that it will come a point where we don't need International Women's Day. But at the minute we do. And at the minute, I'm delighted to be part of it and just to celebrate and highlight all the work that women do. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. It's all about highlighting the, the work as opposed to, you know, um, raising too much awareness, as you said, in 2022. We're, we're lucky, I suppose, in Ireland where we live, that there is great awareness of women and women have good, good representation. But we can always do better. Oh, we really need to do better. We really need to do better, and especially in agriculture. It's disappointing that we're so proud of being an agricultural nation and our food exports go into multi-billion euro every single year and yet if you look at the board level there's a cow coming in if you look at the board level um just on co-ops alone only three percent of boards nationally across ireland have women on them you know and we talk about family farms and i'm really proud of being a family farm nation but (laughs) that is not representative of families. Mm -hmm. You know, families are not just men. Families are women as well. And women have always been part of farms. Mm -hmm. You know, look at my grandmother's generation, my great grandmother's generation. Um, Her husband had to go away and work in England and she was rearing their 10 children and milking the cows and sending them off to school. It's not that women haven't been part Mm -hmm. of our 
food history or our agricultural history or our farm history, we've always been there. We just haven't got the recognition for it. So on that note, I mean, this year's theme is breaking the bias. So how do you personally interpret that? And is bias something that you've come across in your personal professional career? Um, I think bias is something that everyone comes across at one stage or an another, whether you're a man or a woman, actually. Even I think sometimes people just walking into a restaurant and if the waiting staff can sometimes hear their accent, you can be subjected to bias in terms of getting served or not. So it, it is there in every walk of life. Um, but definitely I think women do experience it and even on the phone today to somebody and we're talking about getting solar panels here for the farm yeah. and I was talking to, talking to the man on the phone and he's like okay I'll send you a quote there so so you and your husband can decide what to do about it and I'm just like god everyone's very quick to marry me off yeah, yeah the assumptions and that I will have this mythical husband that will be making the decision about whether we will pay, make this huge investment into our into the farm business um, when really it's just me you, you know I'm the one calling shots with my with my grandmother so yeah unfortunately bias is something and and but it's but it's not just something that women have to break I think it's something that men need to take on board as well and um, you know that man who called me who I was calling today and um, if that, that if that person is ringing you up chances are that person is actually the decision maker in the process and um, so we have to question our own biases, biases. as well Agree. Couldn't agree more. And of all the great female leaders, we've spoken a lot about your, your own grandmother, um, but including people like pioneers, entrepreneurs, sports people, or even um, agents of change. Do you have a particular role model that, that stands out to you? Yeah, I, I do. I have um, a, a couple of agriculture ones, I suppose. I think, you know, from my grandmother, um, I think Mairead Lavery, actually, in Irish Country Living, the for, former editor, I think she did an awful lot. Um, I think, but going to more kind of just Irish role models who now kind of have an international sphere, I've always been um, a huge fan of Samantha Power. I don't know if you've heard her. She was very heavily involved in um, American politics and still is to this day. And she speaks very candidly about growing up in Ireland and, uh, you know, the struggles that she faced and the struggles that her mother faced because she wanted to be a doctor and um, but wasn't able to train in Ireland and actually had to go to America to kind of become a doctor. So um, I really admire the resilience and I, I love that. And I find that a lot in history, in history, talking to women as well. It's not just them who've been resilient and who have managed to triumph in the face of adversity it's their mothers as well and it's that history of resilience that has have come down the generations definitely, definitely. and how do you think you can and should encourage women perhaps to pursue a similar career to yourself <laughs> i don't know if i'd advise it i'm very busy <laughs> it's um it's a bit daunting but I think for anyone, whether you want to be a journalist or whether you want to be a farmer or you, whether you want to be a farmer and do something on farm or farm, um, I would say travel. I would say when you're young, um, whether it's agriculture, whether it's whatever interest you have early on in life, go and do an Erasmus, uh, go and do some work experience abroad um, because it will actually in the long run usually make you a better person I find and um, that you will have kind of a better understanding when you come home mm. and I think it's really important as well you know we have a huge number of part-time farmers in the country we've a huge amount of kind of mental health issues as well in farming the stresses and the pressures that are on people and um, I've come home to the family farm and I know now from traveling that even though it's hard and it's tough I don't want to live in a city 
Um, so I would say go away, crystallise what you want and what you don't want as well for yourself and then come home and then you'll be in a better position to make decisions. I couldn't agree more. I've, I've often said to, to uh, students of mine as well, you know, it's okay to not like something. Yeah. You know, that's that's as, as valid an outcome as loving something. And you're not meant to like what your parents do when you're, <laughs> when you're young. You know, when you're a teenager or when you're in your early 20s, you're not meant to like what your parents do. So, you know, feck off somewhere, figure out what you want from life and come back yeah. again. And where did you travel to? Like? I worked in Geneva. Um, yeah, I worked in Geneva with the United Nations and then uh, very strangely I uh, managed to get a, on a traineeship with the BBC. I applied online and there were a couple of thousand applicants and I did not think I would get it because there was only about 12 people who got it and I got the call. <laughs> so yeah, so then I worked uh, for the uh, BBC for about three, three and a half years and then uh, needed to come home to Ireland. I'm the only one with any interest in farming and uh, came home. Wow, yeah. Actually, only the other day I noticed BBC are 100 years old today, or this week. Or there this you month go. I'm not 100 yet. <laughs> <laughs> but what a, what a, a fantastic place as, as you say, to get experience. It, it was, but once again, it does crystallise. It's like, yeah. that was cool. And a lot of my friends were like, oh my God, that's so cool. And you're meeting all these kind of celebrities and stuff like that. And, um, and it is cool, but at the same time, I just wanted to come home to the cows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> So speaking of which, so obviously that experience that you have to date, as you know, in the world of work, though, it's not always a level of playing field for men and women. And what has been your experience? And is there anything in particular that you know now that you would tell your younger self? Um, resilience is key. Um, it's that thing of try, fail, fail again, but fail better. Um, it's a funny thing as well in that I've worked with um, a lot of men and women in kind of senior positions and it's been very mixed. I've met men who I practically owe my career to and they've been just so helpful. Um, and I've had women that were very helpful as well. But I think it's that thing as well that because unfortunately women aren't as established in senior positions and we see that if we look at co-ops, we see that if we look at Chagas recently as well, um, and in media as well, you can get that too, that sometimes women don't feel as secure in their positions. And I would say that sometimes women can be petty, unfortunately. So I make it a real habit, and I hope that everyone will make it a real habit to pay it forward if I can. So if I encounter young women who come to me for advice or even older women or just anyone in general, um, I will always try to be helpful. Um, and I think that's the kind of society and job structure that we want as well, where you meet people and they're doing their job, but they will take five minutes or ten minutes just to be helpful. Just to be helpful, yeah. you know, completely understa under, understated sometimes. Um, and what is the most important piece of advice that you ever received? So again, thinking back at those paying it forward, what was the best advice that you received or the best lesson you ever learned? Um, the best lesson I ever learned um, was to take criticism um, but take criticism from people that have your best welfare mm. at heart. Mm. That, that's important. And you, that's something that comes with experience uh, as well. But learn to take criticism, learn not to take it personally and just get, get better. Um, and the best bit of advice I, I ever got um, was that you catch more flies with honey. I love that one. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, definitely learned that one as well myself. Um, what are you most proud of and what has given you the greatest satisfaction over the years in life or in work? Um, I'm one of those those people who is constantly going. Like a lot of people would say oh, the best days of my life were in school. And I'm like, God, no. 
you know, my best days of my life, hopefully they're still somewhere in the future. You know, I'm always going, I'm only ever as good as the last thing that I've done, which is a blessing and, and a curse. But I have to say that something I'm really proud of, and it might, it might sound strange, was uh, doing my green suit. Because I was coming back from the BBC and I was trying to juggle doing my green suit and farming. Um, but it was a real um, crossroads in my life. And it was a real decision where I had to stay, decide whether I was going to stay working in the UK or whether I was going to come home and farm and there was no one else to farm. And at the end of the day, um, it was an easy decision for me because I had kind of, I knew in my heart where I actually wanted to be. But it was a bit of a, a, bi a big decision. It was a big, big life decision. But actually doing my green suit and, you know, standing up on that stage and getting my level six, it was nearly worth more to me than getting my level nine. You know, it, it meant an awful lot because um, it, kind of cemented where I was going to be for the rest of my life. Forcing your hand like that sometimes could be the, the yeah. thing, you know. Um, so we hear a lot about mindfulness. You've spoken about mental health, health issues in, in, in farming and agriculture. And in terms of your own work-life balance, can you give us any insights as to how you manage <laughs> I think work-life balance is a myth. I actually, I actually, I do, I think it's this thing that we um, program ourselves and then we use it as a stick to beat ourselves mm. if we haven't, you know, if we haven't timetabled time off. You know, I think it can be more stressful sometimes to timetable time off. Um, if you're comfortable working at certain times a day, then do it. But I'd also say that you should know your limits. So like, I will get up at half six in the morning and be doing cow jobs um, when people are on their morning commute on the M50. And then it will get to nine or half nine and that's when I'll be at a desk and I'll work for a couple of hours, then come out and do some cow jobs again and then go back inside again. Um, and I will try to have, you know, time set aside for family and friends, but I love my work. You know, I love being a farmer and I love being a journalist and I love working for women in agriculture as well. And it's completely voluntary and I don't get paid because someone came up to me recently. It's like, everything you do gets funded, doesn't it? And, you know, and they were kind of giving out to me about something. And I was just like, no, it's not. But I love that as well. And I will be up at nine o'clock at night, you know, typing kind of cap submissions or policy stuff and running it by the stakeholders group and then coming back again. Um, but I feel really passionately about it. And I think um, when you love what you do, it's very cliche. It doesn't feel like work. No, and that comes through. I mean, you're uh, oozing the enthusiasm <laughs> there. So absolutely. Keep up. Um, and finally, what would you say to someone, particularly a woman, starting on her career journey today? Any motivational thoughts? Um, I would say that don't be afraid to put yourself first in your career. I think a lot of women get sidetracked by what their friends are doing um, or their family concerns about what they're doing. I think you're definitely your early 20s are times that you should dedicate to yourself and what you actually want to do and that same thing of, of don't be afraid to travel. I would say that it is up to the industry as well. Uh, you know, I'm, we're focusing on agriculture here, but there's a lot of talk about getting women into senior positions as TDs, but as senior positions in agriculture. And we really need to step up as an industry. Um, we say that we're world leading in so many areas, and yet we are not world leading when it comes to gender and diversity. Um, I was at uh, Chagask Moor Park for Dairy Day, and I saw a man carrying almost a newborn baby around and he was really struggling with his baby bag and his nappy bag and the little baby baby itself and even though there were tons of portaloos around there was no baby changing facility there was no room dedicated 
to do that. You know, if we want to get, if we want to support family farms, so say that we, the way that we say we do support family farms, if we want to get more women um, into agricultural industries, you know, we immediately blight young women um, by not providing maternity care, for example. Um, does Chagas have a crash? Does Chagas Moor Park have a crash? Because that would make a huge difference to women and men in Chagas immediately. Um, do you know co-ops and things like that? Do they have baby changing rooms that don't just have a woman sign on them, but have a men sign in them as well? Because it, it's a big part of um, my work, not just involved in supporting women, but in supporting men. And I think a lot of the mental health issues that we have in farming, especially for men, is that we tell men that they have to be strong and silent. And this, this cow's rummaging around in the background, um, but we tell men they have to be strong and they have to be silent and that they can't talk about their emotions. And why do we do that to men? Why do we tell men that they can't be caring? Why do we tell men that they can't be kind? You know, why, why don't we have a baby changing room at, at, at a farm walk, at, a, at, a, at an industry-led farm walk, why don't we have a baby changing room and make it okay for men to bring their babies to it? You know, because you know, men are fathers too. Why don't we accommodate that? Um, so yeah, so it's really important. International Women's Day is really, really important, but we're only going to get to a point in time where we don't need International Women's Day if we support men on this journey as well. Support them to be those caregivers, to be those you know. Because they can be. Because the thing is, like I, I, I've been really blown away by the men who've picked up the phone and rang me and said, "I'm delighted you're doing it." Because my mother was a fantastic farmer and she never got any credit for it. And we're having trouble now getting her pension because her PRSI stamps weren't paid and that kind of thing. So, I, I love getting those phone calls. You know, a lot of women have contacted me, but I love getting the phone calls from men. And being like, you know, my daughter is a brilliant farmer. I want to see her take over, take over the farm. And so, you know, that's the journey that we're on as well. And I, I really hope that men want to come on that journey too with us. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for the conversation. Really, really appreciated it and, and learned so much as well, Hannah. So that's the end of our interview for today. So thank you so, so much. Thank you.